Want to know what the big secret is to having an organized home? We're going to reveal that today. You are going to want to listen. So here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. Today I have with me Margot Statton. And Margot likes to motivate and empower women to improve their quality of life by creating a relaxing home environment. She says every woman deserves a clean and tidy home that she can be proud of. Margot is a psychology professor and a professional home organization and decluttering coach with over 15 years of experience working with women, helping them to improve their quality of life. She believes that decluttering is the most effective way to decrease stress and anxiety in the home and instead create peace and productivity. So welcome, Margo, to the show. We are going to talk all about it, and you will see that decluttering is the key to having an organized home. So here we go. Hi, Margo. Thank you for being here with me today. Hi, Jill. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. You've got such great energy and I love your Instagram. And so I'm so excited to introduce you to the audience because I think you're going to be such a huge help and we're going to get into it today. But tell the audience just a little bit about yourself before we dig in. Sure. So I'm Margo and I specialize in home organization and decluttering and I have a background in psychology. Mm. So yeah, what I do is I do both in-person and virtual home decluttering and tips on organization. The psychology is key. We're going to get into that in a bit because people don't realize how much is involved. And so that's actually my first topic, which is let's talk about the mindset around decluttering and organizing and how to take that on and shift it to get things done in your home. Because to me, unless you do this part, this is really important. I'm going to say to the audience right now, unless you do this part, and this applies to like everything, this applies with your home design, this applies to life, but with decluttering, especially if you don't get this part, it's not going to be successful. You're not going to have an organized home. So I'm going to let you speak to that because you're the expert in it, but I know that for sure. Yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right. In order to be successful, it's really about understanding why you have so much clutter to begin with. Mm -hmm. So that would be like step one, right? What do all of these things symbolize for you, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say somebody grew up and they didn't have anything, right? Maybe they grew up not having much poor. So when they get a little older and they work and, you know, they make money, they kind of are comforted by this ability to buy all of this stuff that they don't necessarily need. Right. Mm. The other flip side of that is sometimes we go through trauma and we find that surrounding ourselves by things gives us a false sense of security or comfort, safety or comfort. comfort, Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And sometimes, honestly, I've observed that at times it's just because we don't know how. Mm. Right. We have all of these things. We've accrued all, all of these things. And you know, we're just kind of like, how, what, when, like, what do we do? Right. So it's a lack of skill set. 
right? Yep. It's about building new habits and just not having the knowledge. That tends to be easier than some of the other ones. And when it comes to mindset and really like what propels you to actually finally achieve, you know, the subjective clutter-free home. And I find that the most important thing is identifying your why. Mm. Why do you want a clutter-free space? Right. And why do you want that clean and tidy home? What does it mean to you personally? Right. How will that impact you? And in my experience, and I've been doing this for over five years, the stronger someone's why, the more likely they are to roll up them sleeves (laughs) and actually achieve a clean and tidy space. But more importantly than that, maintain it. So but also, too, with mindset, and those are great points. Do you also think that You've got to get to a point where, yeah, so you you explain kind of like why we may collect certain things. There could be different reasons why. Yeah. And understanding that about yourself is huge because that's got to get you to the point, in my belief, of being willing to let things go. Because you can't declutter unless you're willing to say, I really don't need this as a symbol of whatever anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that kind of goes hand in hand with your why. Right. Mm -hmm. The stronger your why, the more likely you are to, like you mentioned, have that drive and that ability to let things go. It's also understanding, you know, having that balance of oftentimes we have too much stuff because we're assigning value to too many things. Right. And it's really kind of shifting your perspective. Well, what is actually valuable? How does it contribute to benefiting my life? Or mm-hmm. is it something that's causing me stress and overwhelm in my space? So I think that most people have a very hard time, especially if you're somebody who I call them sentimentalist. Yeah. So it's really hard. And you know, what would my advice be? Number one, don't start with the sentimental stuff first ever. That's like a rule of thumb. You want to build momentum in decluttering, right? You want to feel accomplished, successful, and you want to have that motivation and drive. So start with like, I always say, start with an underwear and sock drawer. Yeah. Chances are there's not much sentimental stuff there, right? right? It is a quick and easy win. And it really, like with anything, right? It just becomes more and more challenging, but you're always starting with the easy stuff. That's a good tip. And I, I had sent you just the other day, I don't know if it was yesterday, the day before I found this little quote on Instagram. It said, the easiest way to organize your stuff is to get rid of most of it. (laughs) And I thought of you immediately. And it is so true. Like my home didn't really truly start to become truly organized till I really purged. Yeah. And I still do it now that my kids have grown and they're still coming home a little, but there's a lot less we need here that was theirs. And so purging some of that, all this stuff purging. And I've gone into clients' homes too, where it's like they want to organize, buy all these bins, do all this stuff. But unless you actually get rid of some of the stuff, it's not going to be organized. Most of us have too much stuff. We do. Frankly. So we do. That made me laugh because that is so something I preach. And I think it horrifies a lot of people. Yeah. But the reality is the less stuff you have, the easier it is to clean, yeah. organize, maintain, right? That's just the truth of it. But a lot of people, you know, are not ready to really, I call it going atomic on your home. Yeah. <laughs> You know, a lot of people are not ready to do that, but that's really the truth of the matter. So yeah, and it does get contagious. And I learned I had a really good organizer locally that helped me. And when we did our kitchen, she explained to me, she's like, all right, you have three sets of measuring cups, you actually don't need three. And I was like, okay, you are right. And then 
after she's left, the systems are still in place years later. And I will occasionally go through and be like, okay, we have two of these. I don't need two of these. One can go to my daughter to her apartment. I could give one away. I could whatever. But you do start to realize I don't need three of those. You know what I mean? And maybe one was gifted to you. And maybe that one's the sentimental one, or maybe it was gifted and it's just an extra and you're keeping it because it was gifted, but you don't really need it. So, I mean, we'll get more into this, but now that we've talked about decluttering and of course, a large part of my audience are people who are moving to their new suburban home. And let's talk about the importance of decluttering pre-move and how you talk about if you can't manage a small space, you're certainly not going to be able to manage a larger space. So if you're moving from a city apartment to a suburban home, you're going to a bigger home. You know, that was a really important point that you brought up when we were talking about. So let's talk about the pre-move decluttering and the managing your space. So first of all, I just want to say moving is like the best time. I mean, it's stressful. It's really, really stressful. The moving is stressful, but you are gifted an incredible opportunity to go through every single item you own. And I think there was like a statistic done that I think it was in the U.S., like the average household has 350,000 items. Wow. Yes. Like how insane is that? So yes, while it sounds overwhelming, but you're packing up anyways, room by room. I'm hoping you have a system in place. (laughs) You're packing. You might as well go through every single item. Those mystery boxes that have been sitting in the back of your closet that you're like, I have no idea what's in there. And chances are, if you haven't looked at it in years, you don't need it. But so it's a really great opportunity for you to have that fresh start. Where, where you move into your new home, you're only bringing the things that you need. So great opportunity there. And then to go back to the point of if you can't manage the home that you have now, and like if it's small, one bedroom, two bedroom, a lot of times people are under this false assumption that once they have, you know, the three or four bedroom house and the garage and the attic and more closets, basically, yeah. Yeah, like all this stuff, you're like the mindset, right? Talking about mindset, the mindset is, oh my God, I have more space to fill with junk. Right. So they're like, I can bring it all, but it doesn't serve you to do that. Yeah. And not only that, one of the things that I always laugh about, and I do this when I I go in and I, I help people declutter their homes. And we'll declutter and let's say we'll downsize, right? We take it to like 20% that's Mm -hmm. left. So there's a lot of blank space. Let's take a closet because I I do a lot of closets. There's a lot. We'll actually end up with empty shelves. Mm. And the mom will look at me and I can see the excitement in her eyes. She's already thinking about going to like home goods and Target and like (laughs) figuring out how she could like put more stuff on the empty space. And I'm like, rule of thumb, empty space is your friend. It is a good thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of times that's not how we view it. We're just like, yay, more stuff, more space to store things. And that's just not the case. So it really blows people's minds and upsets them sometimes when I say that if you're not able to manage a small space, you're going to literally take that same problem with you into the bigger space, with the exception of growing out of your space. Yeah, that's such an important thing, I think, to mention. And I think people don't realize it. And I I really love that point. Because if you bring stuff with you, too, that even though it might fit in the big house, if it's just going to sit in a box, it's going to take up clutter. Let's face it, you buy a bigger house, you're going to have more things, you're going to accumulate more things. It's not going to help. The same problem is just going to keep going. So it's like you're not going to have an organized home, even though that it is bigger. And that kind of leads me to, you had talked about chatting about outgrowing your space versus too much space. 
I think you had an right. example of, I don't know if it was a yes. client or somebody in the city. I ha- yeah. So I have a client who they lived in a one bedroom apartment and they had one child. So they were able to, well, we helped them make it work mm-hmm. and they were able to fit. The little one was really small. They really, you know, we maximized every single space, you know, Rule of thumb is if you're living in a small space, utilize door and wall space, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we were able to really have multi-purpose pieces of furniture and, you know, we made it work. And then they had a second child, right? Yeah. Within two years. And we try to make that work as well. <laughs> and it was starting to be a little bit of a struggle, but the family did a really, really good job. I'm really kind of keeping what they need right? Holding on to what they need. Yeah. Then they had a third child. Oh gosh. And look, having three kids, three boys, mind you. Yeah. Having three boys, one bedroom apartment. Wow. They have all of these different sports equipments, right? I mean, they're a little bit older now, you know, each one's into like soccer and basketball. One is into hockey. I mean, the hockey gear alone, look, you know, I mean, literally we had one wall in the living room where it was just like, a way to display all the oh yeah i mean they were bursting out for sure they were bursting at the seams and that was really a point where it's like look it's not a matter of organizing or reducing the amount of clutter it's just they have what they need yeah they have just officially grown out of their home yeah that's a good Um, point and then when you have too much space what are the pitfalls there would you say I mean, the pitfalls there is like we talked about earlier. Okay. It's just we feel the need to fill it. Yeah. Which is not that's always really, good. It's like no. we, we got to go back to your point of having this, having some negative space, empty space is, is critical to kind of be able to be organized and move around. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we've talked about how decluttering makes organization. And I also think once your home's organized, you can clean your home so much quicker. So it doesn't mean my home never gets messy. But now when my home gets met, like if my kitchen is a disaster, I can clean yeah. it up so fast because I have everything really organized. Yeah. So that does make cleaning easier. Any other benefits decluttering offers? I think there's even some mental benefits, aren't there? I mean, there's a ton of benefits, right? It's productivity. Mm-hmm. It's just in general, your mindset, like how you wake up in the morning. Like mm-hmm. a good example of this one client, her bedroom was like overrun with clutter. She had exercise equipment. She had her office space in the bedroom, which mm-hmm. is like a huge no-no, right? We're there to rest. Yeah. Piles and piles of laundry and clothing and like miscellaneous. I, I mean, it was... Now imagine... First of all, how good is your sleep? Yeah. Not great. Right. Right. Not only that, imagine what that does to us psychologically, just mindset wise, right? You wake up in the morning. The first thing you do is you open your eyes and you are ambushed by stimuli, Mm. right? Like having that situation, whether it's in your bedroom or even venturing into your kitchen and your dishes are piled up and your countertop are like overrun with appliances that you probably don't use, right? Yeah. What kind of mood and mindset does that start your day off? Right. Yeah. And it kind of is like this stress and especially in your bedroom too, it's stimuli. And it's also like, oh man, I still haven't put that laundry away or I haven't had time to reorganize my closet and hang those up. And so it starts this kind of like snowball of, I think to me, it's stressful. Yeah. Yeah. It's stressful and it's negative thinking. It's like you brought up, it's the guilt that I'm not able to, because, you know, keep in mind, our homes are reflections of us. Yeah. To an extent. Yeah. 
right? So how, right? So if that's a reflection of me and I wake up and my home, I know my home is not clean and tidy, yeah. right? So I'm not clean and tidy. Yeah. And I have all of this guilt and maybe I'm embarrassed, right? I think we talked about this, embarrassed to have people over it. That's one of the biggest culprits of having too much clutter is like you can't entertain guests because you're uncomfortable having people come into your space, yeah, right? Versus if you have a clutter-free space, right? Again, your stress, look, stress levels are never going to be eliminated, right? Right. But your home becomes your sanctuary, becomes the place where you do recharge, right? You are productive. You are, and one of my favorite benefits, I think I've experienced this being a mom of a clutter-free space is that, like you mentioned, keeping my home clean and tidy is like seamless. Yeah, it's It's so much easier. And I used to spend like three hours cleaning my home. And again, I've always lived in the city. My apartments are always tiny. Three hours for a home instead of being outside with my family, with my daughter, you know, and when I would have to be outside, right, we're doing an activity, I'm feeling guilty because I'm like, oh my God, I have to clean the bathroom and I have to do this and I have to do that, right? It's just, it's, there's so many wonderful benefits and you're generally more happier. You're more happier. You're more present. You're not distracted by things that don't require your attention. And of course you save time. And one more thing, you save a ton of money, right? I think you're also more like motivated to straighten up and clean. Like now that let's say my, I'll use my kitchen as an example again. It's like, I know I can tackle this easily. It's not like drawers and cabinets are overflowing and it's hard to put a pan away because there's a spot for everything now. So I know I can just quickly get this done, you know, before I go to bed tonight or before I start my first meeting today. If there was, you know, like today I did have some kitchen stuff, but you feel more motivated to do it because there's a place for everything. And so it doesn't mean that, you know, you have an organized home. It's always perfect. We all live in our homes. Dishes are going to get in the sink. Stuff came in on the countertop with mail. But you you easily have a place to like go through that quickly and get it in a place where it's put away, but accessible when you need it. And it just functions. So it's like this snowball effect for sure. Yeah. And a lot of times, like all of the things that you're talking about, you're coming from the point of a person who has experienced this. Yes, big time. You know the benefits of having every item. And I think that's the most important thing, shifting into home organization and more maintenance even, is that the rule is very simple. Every item in your space should have a home to go to. Yep. That is it. Yep. Right? It should be, like you mentioned, it should be functional. It should be easily accessible. There's something called the rule of twos. So things that you tend to need frequently should not be more than two steps away. Oh, that's smart. Right. As far as for you to reach, right? right? It shouldn't be behind like 10 different items. Right. And be an obstacle course. But if you every single item in your space has a home to go to, then it's a well-run machine. So you're absolutely right. People who preach like, oh, my home is always clean. How? Does no one live there? Because yeah. that's the only way. If you kick out your partners and your kids and your pets and yourself. Right. That is the only way. You're always going to be clean and tidy. It's just not possible. No. But what you're talking about is the importance of these simple daily reset routines. So you're talking from the perspective of someone who clearly has incredible tidying up habits. Those only work if your home is clutter-free, subjectively. Yeah. Right? That's the only way it's going to work. And I will say it's contagious. Like once you start it and you get a system in place, you realize 
like you can do it and you tackle small things. So like when I did my kitchen with some professional help and whatever, but I learned tips from her. And then one Saturday, I'm like, I'm going to do my linen closet. And I did it myself. And my linen closet has stayed that way since I did it. And it's like super organized. And I have a way now to look at it and see what's excess if there is and pull it out. So you can do that like with your night table. You can do it. You, yeah. you can just do it. But, and once you start doing it in different areas, it does become very contagious because you realize how nice it is to live within those spaces that are decluttered. Yeah, because you start to see the results. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. I think that one of the hardest challenges is for a lot of folks are beginners. So they haven't started or they kind of are dabbling in decluttering, but they're not really seeing results. A lot of that also has to do with being kind of sporadic in how you declutter, you know, a few things here, a few things here, but you're not actually seeing results. So, but you're absolutely right. Once you start, once you actually begin, it becomes contagious. We did a Facebook challenge where for the month of August, we decluttered one item a day, right? Mm -hmm. They started off 30 days, right? They started off with one item a day. I am not joking, Joe. By the time they got to the seventh day, they were tossing 10, 15 items a day. No, it does. It makes you, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And not only that, when you also, I also have like a lot of times I encourage somebody to do it with somebody else. Like if you have a friend, right? And like you guys can like, or a neighbor and you guys can kind of partner up and FaceTime each other or chat on the phone while you're doing it. I think that kind of that accountability and support really helps a lot of people, especially those who are struggling to start. Yeah, definitely. Oh, all such good, good advice. I know you really want to ask a designer questions. I know you really would love that professional opinion, what to do. I know nothing goes off in your brain when you think about that, except the words expensive, intimidating. I won't have a choice. I'm here to tell you, none of my services make you feel that way. But my newest service is probably the easiest and most affordable way to quickly get some answers. It is my Solutions Design Micro Session. That's right, and we can select a topic of your choosing, whether you're struggling with space planning, palette, cohesiveness, which items to buy, what not to buy, for $249 You can book that with me very easily and we will spend one hour together and I will be your own personal design advisor for that solid hour. So link is in the show notes or check out my Instagram page or website. I hope to see you there. We're going to get into another topic, which is empty nesters and preparing your home for loved ones. And you have something called, is it the Swedish method? Yeah. So it's called, it's not mine. It's called Swedish death cleaning. And it was, I, I hope I don't butcher the author's name. Her name is Margareta Magnussen. Okay. We'll put her name on Uh, the show notes. So we will. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So she wrote a book called Swedish death cleaning and it targets specifically empty nesters from, well, you know, it targets the older population and it's, I find it to be gentle and atomic at the same time. Mm. And what Swedish, like the premise behind it is that you are preparing your home and your space for when you pass away. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is essentially you don't want to burden your family with having to go through all of your things. 
So yes, it's morbid. You know, it's it's a huge mind. You know, it really makes you question your mortality. Mm-hmm. I brought it up because, quite frankly, I think a lot of people. It doesn't matter how old you are, can benefit from Swedish death cleaning. Yeah, it does require that you literally go through every single item you own mm-hmm. room by room, starting with the easiest one first. Yep. Right, we tackle sentimental items last, and it's not so much like when we're younger, we tend to say. I might need this three years from yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Right. Or in case of emergency. Yes. Like everybody and their mother is like, I what if I need this wire? Right. right? And I'm like, cool, what does that wire belong to? Mm-hmm. But I might need it. Right. I'm like, you don't even know what it's for. But anyways, so when we're younger, <laughs> we tend to make a lot of excuses for why, or like this happens when we declutter closets, right? Maybe, you know. After we had a baby, we put on a couple of pounds and we're like, okay, maybe in five years, I'm going to get myself that personal trainer, New Year's resolutions, all that stuff. I'm going to fit into this, right? So we leave items for this like future self or rather future need versus Swedish cleaning. Well, there is not much of a future, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it's really not about what you might need a year from now or two years from now or five years from now. It's more, I'm keeping items that I use now Mm -hmm. and the other items, does my family need it? Will they benefit from it, Mm -hmm. right? Or friends once I pass. So it's a very, very different mindset of how you let go of items. And why I love it so much, and I've practiced it myself in my space, why I love it so much is it helps to part with sentimental items because Mm -hmm. the reality is that they're sentimental to you, Mm -hmm. right? But if you're practicing Swedish death cleaning, will they be sentimental to your kids? Right. And some may be, but some may not. Absolutely. But like, you know, that leather jacket that your first boyfriend ever gave you 50 years ago, like, why would your kids need it? Right. You know what I mean? Like, can you even, isn't it even a nice process to do while you're alive to say to your family? And, and I think I spoke to you about this. I mean, my father passed in the spring and I was, and my mom has to move. And so I was realizing, it made me realize that not even in just that situation, but even as of right now, being my age, and even when I was younger, a lot of stuff is really a burden. It's a burden on your home to keep it organized, to keep it clean, to keep it whatever. And then, as you said, as you age, it becomes more of a burden because if you do have to move, if you do have to downsize, if you do get sick at end of life, having your kids having to deal with it all. The biggest word that came to my mind when I was helping my family go through everything, I was like, this is so burdensome, not just to me, it was burdensome to my mother. And so... Having less, but having what you need, which is what she's mm-hmm. going to eventually do in the next couple months, which will be great once she moves. I actually think too, she's going to feel like a load off, believe it or not. Yeah. 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 Just- yeah. And I think that becomes truer and truer as we get older. Yeah. It also has to do with our priorities change, right? When we're empty nesters, there's no longer like this need. Everything is about the children and stuff. Like I, a lot of my audience is 45 to like 65. Mm-hmm. And they are empty nesters. Yeah. And their life has changed, right? They're downsizing a lot of them. Yeah. Considerably. They also want to travel more. Yeah. So their priorities have completely shifted. Yeah. Also, as we age, you know, the reality is physically, we're not maybe as, you know, are able to clean for an hour, an hour and a half, reach certain things, right? right? I mean, it's just, again, there's certain limitations that happen as we age. Yeah. So is 
having all this stuff in our home worth it? Yeah. Again, I just go back to the word. It becomes burdensome on it's so many levels. On so many levels. Yeah. And, and I've Absolutely. learned that. And so even in my home now, I'm like, it's making me want to even purge even more because you're like, and then you over purge. You ever have that moment where you're like on this decluttering itch and then all of a sudden you declutter something you shouldn't have. Yes. And you're like, oh man, where did it go? And you're like, oops. Yeah. That's the pendulum yeah. going the other way. But yeah. And I try yeah. careful not to do that, but it really put it into perspective. And so even as a younger person thinking about that, I don't think is a bad thing because- yeah. Even when you have young kids and all the toys and all the equipment and all the, and it's like, you have to decide what are you, when that kind of mantra that you said of, well, I might need this someday. Like in reality, are you going to, I had gone to a client's home and she was in her late forties and she had saved her kids cribs and she was taking up all this space in a guest room that she needed. And she was like, well, I'm saving them because what if I have grandchildren one day and they stay here? And I'm like, but this crib's going to be way, it's going to be out of code by then anyway. It's probably already, it's not, and like, yeah. what? Like, just that, to me, that was just, no, you know? Yeah, but the other thing is, I think that when we're younger, we are more reluctant to part with items. We're yeah, more likely true. to a sign like, you know, what, how, what we spoke about earlier value. And I think that, you know, we have to be very sensitive because, you know, people's tolerance level of letting go is very different. I'm not going into hoarding disorder, you know, yeah, that's, that's a different, different, yeah, different. That's though. a completely different thing, but even excessive clutter, yeah, it is emotionally painful for somebody to like, let's even use your example. I'm not saying it was emotionally painful, but like, she has literally painted a whole entire picture of these cribs and what they mean and how they're going to benefit her grandkids. Right. And I think, you know, for her, it's, it's so painful to actually let it go. Right. And we, as human beings, we want to avoid pain, right? We right. seek pleasure to avoid pain. And to a lot of us, it's like, oh, what's the big deal? Just like, get rid of it. Yeah. But to somebody else, like, they can't, they're going to lose sleep over it. They're going to be upset. It's going to cause them a lot of distress, yes. you know? So it's, that's why I think like kind of that why and understanding why you have the clutter and why you're keeping certain things and what you want your future to look like. And then understanding how all of this clutter is not going to grant you that future that you want. Yeah. And that's I get that. Reality. And even with her, I kind of sense that, but her kids were 16 and 17 years old, number one, and she needed this room and she had a big house with a lot of storage. I said, yeah. how about we store the cribs? If you're not ready to let them go, how about yeah. we store them? She had a couple different places in the house. How about we store them so we can just get them out of here for now? Yes. And in 10 years or more, if you do need them, you know, you'll have them, but at least they're not because yeah. they were obstructing a space that she wanted to actually utilize and couldn't. So why are we yeah. going to let something sit there a dozen years yeah. that may not, yeah. you know, so that was sort of the point, but I do agree. I do take some interim steps because I have had clients be become very emotional. People can do it about furniture and large things. Yeah. And so we try to find like an interim step. Like, is there another mm -hmm. family member that would want it? Is there another room we can put it in? Is there yeah. something about that we could take from it that's smaller as the memory? So right. take a it, picture of it. That's always a good one with whatever. Items. Yeah. So yeah. I do understand that. But yeah, so it's all really interesting for sure. And I think that We'll post the name of that author in the book in the show notes because mm -hmm. that's a great, I'd love to read that too. It sounds like a great thing. 
let's go over your best tips to just start. Okay. We're going to kind of go through that. All right. So number... Number one is to just start, yeah. right? So start messy. Just I mean, that's really just like I, you know, I, if you need to fall over something for that to be the sign that you need to declutter, <laughs> like your entryway, and you know, you just went nosedived into your entryway rug because there's a ton of shoes, half of which nobody wears. That is a clear sign. So I think that a lot of time, one of the biggest culprits that stands in the way from having people declutter is procrastination. Mm, big time. right. And we procrastinate for a variety of different reasons that are incredibly subjective. But we oftentimes create this like, oh my God, decluttering is going to be so hard, or I don't know where to start. And there's just so much clutter. There's no end in sight. Or like, I'll start my favorite is the New Year's resolution. Like it's September. I just had a client tell me this. She's like, no, Margo, really, I'm, I'm really going to tackle the high traffic areas in the new year. I'm like, in the new year, girl, that's like four months from now. Why are <laughs> that's her brain's way of like, I can't deal with this. Like, right I can't, now. Right, your brain's protecting you and you're just like, I'm not ready yeah, for that. That's this. the brain like, uh-uh. <laughs> So my whole thing is like rip off the band-aid. It's like if anybody has ever gone skydiving, like if you're doing tandem jumping and the doors open, you're just falling out, (laughs) right? You don't want to, you're just falling out and you have no choice because you're not in control, right? You're, you're trainer is or whatever they're called. It's the same thing with decluttering. I think it's just, you have to, instead of look, instead of consuming a ton of content, right? Learning the best way to do it, the best method, get messy. Just be messy, choose an area, a small one, preferably again, a nightstand, a shelf in a linen closet, something that's easy, especially if you're a beginner yeah. and just start there. Yeah. That's it. No plan inside. No, I mean, forget you don't need supplies. You don't need to prepare. You don't need to do anything. Select an area, close your eyes, point. That's the area. Start decluttering. Yeah. And then like you mentioned earlier, this beautiful thing happens, it becomes contagious. And the key is to do it from start to finish. Yeah. When I say start to finish, I don't mean like do an entire closet, right? right? But if we're talking about, let's say a shelf in the linen closet, you're going to finish that one shelf yeah. from start to finish. And then what happens is you see the contrast, Yeah. the shelf that you decluttered versus the other ones that have clutter. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, Yeah. that wasn't that bad. Right. But that's really, there's only, there's only one rule in my book for decluttering and it's to start. That's it. All right. I love that. So you've given us, I think so many good things. I want to mention before we close the show, if you have any other best tips, advice, let us know, tell us where to find you. I do want to just highlight your Instagram account. People should follow be good to yourself by Margo. Her Instagram account is right on the screen in the banner and it'll be posted, but you give really good tips. You also mentioned, I think, I don't know if you have digital courses or e-services and are those going on currently this fall? Because if you want to mention those, I think those would be great, a great way to help people who want to start. Yeah. So, so we have, we actually have a live virtual group coaching program. It already started. It started this week and we do it three times a year. So the next one is going to start in February. It's a very small, intimate setting, accountability, and essentially teaches folks how to declutter, clean, organize, and maintain okay. their home. Yep. 
And then we have an on-demand declutter your closet course. So closets are huge. (laughs) Closets are like a big deal. So I literally have a step-by-step. It's self-guided with a workbook, with activities and homework. It's called Declutter Your Closet. And it teaches you even how to make a capsule wardrobe. Yeah, because one thing I was going to say to you in the conversation, I think closets can be hard. They're harder for me. Luckily, I have two girls. So I've been able to pass some clothes down. So that helps. Like if I have clothes or shoes, I'm unsure of, and and they take them. That's great. Handing down. And then we have a new consignment shop that opened near us. So things that are, you know, in good condition that I can get money for, I've been doing that with Poshmark, whatever. And then some stuff's just give away. But sometimes you do come across something. I fully admit it where you're like, you love it. It might not fit right anymore. You're probably not going to wear it again, but like you can't part with it. There are those things. I mean, it's And that's okay. Yeah. I think also that's okay as long as you don't leave it in the center of your closet, right? That's pretty much what it boils down to. Whatever is that stuff that you might wear or hard to part with, you just put it, you put it on top, vacuum sealed bags, whatever you want to do. But closets are definitely not places you want to start with. Right. They're not easy for decluttering oftentimes, and they're not easy, especially for organization. No. So, so, but I might want to take your closet one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It'll help me further. I'm still working on it. So besides Instagram, mention your website and any other platforms, because we'll put those in the show. And any, any kind of last piece of advice you feel like you want to leave the audience as well. Yeah. So be good to yourself by Margot is how you can find me on Instagram. On Facebook, it's at Margot Staten. And then my YouTube channel is the same. Be good to yourself by Margot. And the same goes for my website and podcast, which is called Let's Talk About Clutter. Yes. And that's a great vehicle too. I forgot to mention that, but Margot has a podcast. So if you really need to get to that first step of just starting You've got some mindset stuff to work on. And Margo's great at helping you with that. Like even the free content on her Instagram will help you with that. But I think her podcast, like you're a great guide through all of this. I really think you are. And I think it makes a huge difference in people's lives. And let me just say as a designer, I have had projects where because they have too much clutter, I actually can't achieve the proper design in a room. So I want people to keep that in mind with your interior design. Because if you have too many, just too much stuff and we can't organize the room properly with the furniture it needs, we're still having storage and whatnot, it can affect the actual design of your home. So it does have a really big impact. And I think Margo is just a great guide. Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you. And my last piece of advice would be what I started with. And that's for folks to understand that clutter-free is subjective. Mm. You don't have to be a minimalist in order to have a clutter-free home. Great point. Um, And I think that's really important because a lot of people will procrastinate, right? And kind of how that perfectionist mindset, because they see all of these images on like Instagram and Pinterest of these like barely lived in homes, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, that's the only way. And it's like, no, like I'm not a minimalist. I'm only minimalistic in my wardrobe, but in my home, I'm not minimalistic. Yeah, But I can for my home to be clutter-free. Right. I could see you have books and stuff. So do I. I have pictures on my refrigerator and, you know, it's, it's just, Surround yourself by things that are useful yep. and that make you happy. Yep. Whatever that means to you, as long as your home is not overwhelming you, yeah. then your home is clutter-free. And there, like I said, and there's a place to put things away. So it's like a drawer's Absolutely. not so jammed. You can't, yeah. you know, come from the dishwasher and put something away without a fight. You know, like right. Or closing your closets with your butt. 
because right. it's like there's like a, and when you open it you're like preparing for the avalanche right you ever had that right. <laughs> yeah yeah we don't want that yeah yeah there's a middle ground and i and i agree because yeah. my house feels yeah. warm there's things in it but it just doesn't feel so cluttered and like i don't know yeah yeah yeah, but yeah, absolutely. that's a really good point too. See, she's full of them, everybody. So <laughs> head on over. Anyway, I appreciate you taking the time. This has been a great episode and I can't wait for everybody to get to know you a little more. All right. Thanks for having me. If you like what you're hearing on Welcome Home to the Suburbs, I would be so appreciative if you would support the show. The best way to support the show is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I would be so appreciative and I hope you will leave us a review. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.